Accept is an EU-funded project that intends to develop and deliver a digital toolbox that will facilitate energy communities, aiming in bringing together citizens, local businesses and organizations. The project will help energy communities reduce their dependency on fossil fuels, save energy and thus be able to reduce their electricity bill. Together with Ismini Dimitriadou, who is the project coordinator and my guest for this episode, we are going to discuss how ACCEPT will achieve its goals without compromising the quality of living for the members of the communities, but ideally increasing their comfort with the assistance of smart devices. Welcome to the EU Project Zone, a podcast series from Enlit and Friends focusing on the energy transition and the EU Commission-funded projects that will help us achieve it. My name is Areti Daradimu and I am the host of the EU Project Zone. Ismini, thank you for being here with me today. And would you please describe in a few words the ACCEPT project? Sure, Areti. First of all, thank you for having me here. It's a really good opportunity actually to be able to discuss the project with you. Uh, in such a wonderful event as well. So just in a few words, basically you kind of already described ACCEPT, but what it does is there is a lot of flexibility um, potential now in energy communities, in households. So what the project actually aims to do is develop a, a suite of uh, digital tools that will help energy communities actually untap the flexibility and be able to offer services to third parties, for example, DSOs and like aggregators, retailers and so on, but also to its members. And it does all of that, all of that um, without actually, um, you know, um, jeopardizing the comfort and the convenience of the consumer. So it takes into consideration, you know, your comfort preferences, your schedule and so on. So anything that it does to you know, shift your demand, for example, to offer this flexibility I mentioned before, it does it in a way that actually respects all those things, your habits and your comfort. Um, so pretty much this is what Accept do. Um, on the side, what um, we are also looking into is different business models for the energy communities themselves. So we have four different communities in our project. And they have brought their members into the uh, into the uh, the project. What we do is we look with them business models that they can actually then implement going forward, um, and we do that uh, bearing in mind that an energy community can assume different roles. For example, the role of the retailer, the aggregator, or an energy service company. Apart from the energy communities that you just mentioned, who else participates in the project? So we have 16 different project partners. So we have four communities, as I mentioned before. One is in the Netherlands, the other one is in Spain. We also have one in Switzerland and one in Greece. Apart from them, we have uh, DSOs in the project, we have retailers in the project, we have technology partners that help us develop the digital tools I mentioned before, we have universities and engagement experts. So it's a large consortium with a lot of expertise. I would assume that your target audience is the energy communities that are already part of the consortium, but also utilities. Yeah. Exactly, you're right. So we are targeting other energy communities, you know, apart from the ones we have in the project. So we want to disseminate all the knowledge and help other communities participate more actively in the energy transition. But as you said before, we are also targeting utilities like retailers, aggregators, energy um, service companies, also DSOs. So we're offering these services to the likes.
likes of the DSOs because those kind of things help them alleviate constraints on the network. Mm -hmm. So indirectly, the project does actually concern them as well. And what is also important to say here is that towards the end of the project, we really want to um, have a set of recommendations for policymakers. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of constraints now, a lot of obstacles uh, because of maybe the lack of uh, legislation or the very slow transposition of legislation into national laws. So we want to maybe even make some recommendation that will have, you know, will help energy communities uh, be more active uh, in, in the energy transition. So since you did mention uh, local, not local authorities, the EU Commission, I will bring also the local authorities and I would like to ask you, I would like to ask you how can the EU Commission and the local authorities help accept, achieve its goals? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I kind of implied it before. So one of the main things uh, that they can do is one, find ways to speed up the process of the transposition of you know, national EU legislation to national laws. So there are a lot of countries now that are a bit behind with, for example, the rollout of the smart meters, the framework for the energy communities. So not in every EU country we have a framework that clearly defines an energy community and that, what they can do. So this is one of the main things that the, the Commission and local authorities can do. The other thing is incentives, especially now I think with what is happening and the energy prices soaring, you have a new trend, for example, moving back to fixed tariff, mm -hmm. which means that when discussing implicit demand response and dynamic tariff schemes, we cannot really apply them if you have a fixed tariff scheme uh, implemented horizontally in, uh, in areas in the EU. So I think these kind of things that maybe they can do and more to come when the project is close to a finish. So hopefully we'll get more, uh, more outcomes and more recommendations. Well, you already touched upon a very important uh, uh, aspect of, of Europe in general. The fact that, we are, we, um, that, that the European Union includes many countries that are diverse, some of them are more progressed, some of them are less progressed. And they have the local authorities with different rules and regulations. So you said that you would already like to have a more homogeneity, let's say, in a way, yeah. but... How can you tackle the problem that Greece has uh, one regulatory authority, then Italy has another, then uh, Spain another, and then you go to the north and then you have something completely different? What do you do there? It's a really good question, actually. I think you need to build a solution that is quite flexible in that way. So you need to, you know, have a solution. For example, what we do in Accept, we have a solution that is suitable for all the spectrum of demand response schemes. So you have uh, explicit, implicit, you have other flexibility optimization schemes, for example, uh, self-consumption, community level self-consumption, not only individual. So make it as flexible as you can. And then actually the instantiation of the solution per country differs depending on what you said before, the regulatory framework, the infrastructure differences that uh, the different countries may have. So I would start with just building a solution that is flexible enough, considering all different types of schemes that you want to introduce and so on. Exactly. You mentioned the, the key word here, infrastructure. So the four member sta uh, states, the, the four pilots that ACCEPT has, uh, represent various levels regarding infrastructure. 
So is the approach and the tools of the project common to all countries or are there differentiations? There are some differences there. Um, so I'll take a few examples for you. So I'll start with, uh, for example, the fact that um, we have a, a few countries that from the four, like two of them have uh, district assets. So one of the main things, for example, that Accept does is build solutions specifically for the management of those district assets. So you have two countries with that kind of solution in place and to countries that we cannot implement that. For example, for countries that do not have smart meters in place, one of the things that we need to consider is the installation of something like a smart meter for monitoring the consumption, which needs to be accounted for when calculating the flexibility potential. Um, what else? So, um, bear with me. Yeah. Um, the other thing, for example, that uh, we do is uh, in countries with no smart meters, mm -hmm. even because there are cases where the customers are not very happy with you installing such devices. Um, what we see, we try to do there is implement different use cases. So in these countries, for example, you cannot do dynamic tariffs because you don't have the feedback of the consumption. Um, but you can do things like self-consumption, for example, there. So if they have a PV on the roof, uh, they can, you know, um, accommodate the consumption using the generation that they have in place without you having to necessarily know, like, get all the data that uh, meters would give you. So these kind of things that we try to do to tackle the differences in infrastructure. And staying in the differences, because you mentioned another very, very hot topic, which is uh, the consumer behavior. Because as you said, not everybody is open and willing, for example, to accept a smart meter. How do you tackle within Accept this pro problem uh, for so many different countries? It's actually very challenging. And um, I mean, we learn on the way. So it's a learning curve for us. So we have our engagement experts that um, when we first started the uh, the project, they did like a workshop for with uh, the participants from each country mm -hmm. to see what culturally drives them to participate in the project. So then we kind of adjusted the engagement going forward and the living lamps based on that feedback. Um, you have, for example, countries that participate for increasing their sustainability, you know, minimizing their carbon footprint and so on. And you have other countries that for them is all about saving uh, money on their energy bills. So you learn about, you know, the cultural differences, you adjust your uh, campaigns, your recruitment campaigns based on that. So you can give like incentives, like money to people for participating or some goods. Uh, for others, is all about, for example, giving them tangible uh, proof that they're minimizing the carbon emissions through a NAP, for example, that translates um, energy, less energy consumption into less carbon footprint. So this is how we pretty much tackle yeah. this within the project. But it, it is a learning curve and we learn on the way. Um, there, there is another example that I'd like to uh, mention here about our experience. For example, uh, one of the communities was very, very strong about using their local uh, technology vendors, which kind of makes sense. Yeah. So what we did there is we actually adjusted the project to allow them to use that vendor. So they brought, for example, IoT equipment for the households from that vendor because they have already been doing business with them. And then we integrated the solution uh, into, into the project. 
And this is yet another important point, being open to feedback and being also flexible to change, right? Yeah. So if we take everything together uh, holistically, uh, Accept has quite a few aspects. One is consumer centricity. The other is uh, the regulatory uh, reform that it, it wants to bring. Uh, infrastructure, digitalization. Which one of those aspects is the most pressing or the most important for the EU grid, energy grid, right now, you would say? I think it's uh, actually convincing energy communities and consumers, prosumers to participate more actively into the energy uh, transition. I think if we can manage to get them on board, we have a real chance of actually bringing this transition that we are, have all been discussing. And especially now, as I said before, um, it's with the energy prices and what is happening, it's even more difficult to convince these people to participate in such projects and going forward to actual, you know, schemes and energy market schemes. Um, because it feels like at the moment, like we're in a very transitional stage all the time. You know, you have... Um, emergency measures that the e, the Commission and, and the EU is bringing forward because of the energy crisis in Europe. And that gives a feeling to all of us, including, you know, me and you and everyone, that we are still in a transitional stage. And, you know, if I am in transition and, you know, they're giving me incentives to now do that and then do something, why do I need to radically change my energy behavior? And, you know, so I think it is very important to make a strong, strong business case as to why these people need to, for example, adopt energy efficiency measures. Why do they need to closely manage their energy behavior? All these kind of things. And the timing, I think, is, is important to be now. Yeah. Um, so I think this is the key of what ACCEPT also tries to do is, you know, we have all these tools that facilitate uh, the transition and the participation of energy communities into the energy market and offer services to other parties. But the main thing is to build also the, the business case and, you know, give them proof that it makes financial sense. You know, not only, you know, it makes your life easier and no. also it's viable financially to implement those kind of schemes. Exactly. And this is what I'm going to, to keep, that it makes financial sense to everybody and that ACCEPT is trying to help energy communities and the consumer, the end consumer, to change a little bit uh, her behavior. And uh, for both of us coming from a country that has some issues in implementing new things, yeah. uh, we're both Greeks, uh, I think it's even more important. Ismini, thank you very much for being here with me today. Thank you, Arete. It was really nice to meet you. Thanks for the opportunity to discuss Accept with you. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. You've been listening to the EU Project Zone podcast, brought to you by Enlit and Friends. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and the Enlit Europe website. Just hit subscribe, and you can access our other episodes too. I am Arete Daradimu, host of this podcast series, and I thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm.